Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really excited because today we're going to talk about something that we have never touched on before in the podcast, which is money magic. And I'm going to share a few tricks and tips to help you manifest financial abundance. So I feel like every witch kind of has their thing. I consider myself to be more of a love and sex witch. So that's kind of my personal specialty. Um, However, I have to say that I am pretty good at manifesting financial abundance as well. That's something that I um, tend to just be able to do really well and really effectively. And so um, a lot of the things that I'm sharing with you today have been um, pretty, you know, dramatic in their effect um, in helping me to quickly generate the abundance that I desire in a particular moment. So without further ado, I want to just jump right into it. So the first tip that I want to offer you for manifesting financial abundance is to be a mindful, conscious consumer. And this is actually something that I learned in college Um, It was actually my freshman year of college, so it was quite a while ago at this point, but it was something that really stuck with me. One of my favorite professors, it was actually a history through animals class, so it was really fascinating, but the professor of the class, we were talking about um, specifically just the food industry and um, treatment of animals in an anthropocenic, you know, um, industrial carnivorous society, and he was talking to us basically about being mindful consumers, specifically in relation to purchasing food. And one of the things that he said that really stuck with me and was um, a piece of wisdom that I still that I still feel that I reference frequently to others and think of often is that the thing about a capitalist society is that when we shop, we are essentially um, casting a vote for a brand, for a product, for a company. And really, money is nothing more or less than just energy. Money is a physical thing that exists in the universe, but it is also an energy. And it's an energy that we work with that to us says security. Um, It says abundance. And it is an energy that we use to essentially express ourselves, to speak up about the things that we believe in, to align ourselves to a particular set of values or belief systems or um, ethics. And so this is something that I think of frequently. And obviously, I'm not trying to be judgmental because we all have our thing. But, you know, I feel like you probably can think of when you're in the grocery store and you might look around at what other people have in their carts. And you see some people that just have like, you know, tons of like Coca-Cola and like a bunch of like boxed like Tyson chicken. And, you know, again, not trying to be snooty because I think we all have our vices, especially when it comes to food. But I do think that it's really important to be proud of at least 70% of the things that are in your shopping cart and to make decisions that really are intentional and that reflect the values that you believe in and that send energy in the direction that you as a consumer and just a being in the universe wants to send it. And this is something that Barbara Kruger um, kind of 
you know, boldly asserted with her um, groundbreaking statement, I shop, therefore I am. And it's true that in a capitalist society, uh, our identity really is kind of founded on and in our dollar. But it's not just our identity, it really is at the energetic level, a spell to spend money. And actually, um, quite timely, because we do have an election coming up in the United States in just a few short weeks, but voting for a president or voting for, you know, your local politicians is very similar. Not only are you voting and actually engaging in an activity in the physical realm that is going to um, ultimately, you know, send some energy to a particular outcome and align you to a set of beliefs, but it also... Um, at the metaphysical level, does align you to the, the, that particular outcome as well. And it is a spell. And that's why I've been really talking a lot in the newsletter um, and across all of my platforms about the importance of voting. And not just uh, politically, and, and again, as an act in the physical material world, but also just because it is an energy stream that you tap into when you vote for a particular person. And when you don't vote at all, you tap into the energy stream of not really caring, not really caring about yourself, not caring about other people, not caring about the environment, not caring about, um, you know, anything, which is really kind of a, a very unsexy vibration. So I really do urge everybody to vote. If you are in the United States, um, please don't allow some of the um, disruptive behaviors of the current administration to just make you feel so uncomfortable with the voting process that you just don't vote at all. Because the truth is actually that creating a sense of just depression and indifference is actually a totalitarian tactic. It's literally a, a, a tactic that a dictator would use to keep his people dormant. And so don't let that work because I do think that that is a way that this administration could be successful by just making everybody so uncomfortable and grossed out that they just don't want to be involved, that they don't want to vote, that they don't want to watch the debates, that they don't want to listen to the plans and the views of the opponent, who, by the way, um, is an extremely progressive alternative to some of the really backwards politics that we have been subjected to for the past four years. So I really do want to encourage you to vote. But returning to our original conversation, working with your dollar, energetically speaking, is truly a very similar similar thing. Um, when you spend your money, you are sending a boost of energy and your energy to that company, to that brand, and you are voting for their practices, you're voting for their ethics. And so this is why it's so important to buy things that you believe in, that you're proud of, and to support the businesses and the people that you personally might know, that you know have families, that you know um, maybe are struggling with their health and could use the abundance. Just be a mindful consumer. And again, I don't mean you know that every single thing you buy needs to be like you trace it exactly to the source, but it is true that to generally be a mindful consumer is absolutely a practice of abundant people and it will make you more abundant sooner rather than later. I think you'll you'll be surprised at how quickly you start to feel more abundant when you just consume in a way that's really intentional. And what's interesting about this is that a lot of the times practicing this will actually involve spending a little bit more money in the moment. So for example, at the grocery store to continue with this scenario, um, a lot of the times the organic options end up being a little bit more expensive. Or a candle that you might buy, an artisan candle that you might buy from Etsy might be a little bit more than the candle 
deal that you buy on sale at your local drugstore. And so these are, you know, kind of interesting um, obstacles that we do face, but at the same time, at the energetic level, your willingness to spend a little bit more to be a mindful and intentional consumer is absolutely a practice in abundance. And you can start slowly, start by just being truly more thoughtful about what you're buying, what values you're supporting when you buy these things, researching some of the companies that you know you support regularly, what do they do with their money, how do they treat their workers, um, all of these things are really important. And of course, we can't be naive because, again, you know, in a capitalist society, we know that, for example, we see labels on things like coffee that say fair trade, but we do know, perhaps I'm being pessimistic, but we, you know, we know that it's more than likely that a lot of the time people can be bribed or, you know, companies can uh, work around these things to be able to earn those labels in ways that are like not totally ethical. So it's not a, not a foolproof thing to buy things that say fair trade. I'm not trying to be naive to the realities of the system, but at the same time, really just the practice of getting curious about what you're buying and really learning that, you know, you are somewhat identified with the way that you spend your money because it is products and companies that you are voting for. And as a result, it's practices and ethics and belief systems that you're voting for and propagating. So um, really, it's a powerful thing to be a mindful and empowered consumer. And not only is it a powerful thing that just feels good generally, but it also is a practice of abundance. And I want to add quickly too that I'm not necessarily propagating minimalism here. And I feel like this comes up a lot because in my feng shui or not my feng shui, but my wardrobe magic episode that I did a couple of, it was probably like a month and a half ago, I did talk about this. I talked about the importance of buying things when you're in a state where you feel good. And I say that from experience because I am a avid online shopper and I am definitely guilty of having a couple glasses of wine and just like needing some retail therapy and buying some things that end up showing up. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Or maybe I like the idea of it, but then I tried on and realized that I have nowhere to wear like this gorgeous sequin dress or something crazy like that. Um, although, you know, honestly, for something like that, I would usually find a place, but you understand what I'm saying. So obviously, you know, I am a maximalist and I proudly assert that often in the podcast. I'm not necessarily saying to deprive yourself, to not spend your money on things that you love. But as I said, hold yourself accountable. Just be mindful of how you're spending your dollar, of the things and the people and the practices and the values and the energetics that you're supporting with your dollar. And um, also just being discerning about what you allow into your space, your home, your body. Um, just be you know, a mindful consumer and you will feel more abundant. And I'm telling you the way energy works and the law of attraction works, you will become more abundant if you adopt this as a regular practice. Now I want to move on to the next tip, which is also more of like a mental practice. Some of the tips I'm going to offer, particularly the last one are like witchier practices, but um, some of these are actually just sort of mindset things. So the second thing that I want to say that's related is to do an act or commit, I guess would be the word of um, commit an act of generosity. And generosity is such a powerful vibration that just immediately attracts abundance. It often is instantaneous. And again, like the first tip that I'm offering, 
committing an act of generosity is interesting because in the moment it actually requires spending a little bit more money than maybe you would otherwise if you were not being generous. But truly living in a state of like non-generosity is extremely binding. Money is nothing but an energy. And what does energy like to do? It likes freedom and it likes to circulate. It likes to move. And it likes to go where it knows that it will be spent joyfully and generously. And that might sound psycho. That might sound really strange. Probably not because if you're here, I'm sure that you're used to the way we talk about life. Um, But I'm here to tell you that if you are a generous person regularly, money will like you. And the thing that's nice too is that you don't need to be rich to practice generosity. You might leave a penny at the little scratch off thing at your like gas station next time you fill your tank. You might drop $50 into the ASPCA, you know, donation box at your local drugstore. You might just go online right now and donate $5 to a charity or cause that you really care about. You might surprise a coworker tomorrow by buying them a coffee. Um, So there's all sorts of little ways that are like $5 or less to just commit an act of generosity. And I'm telling you, you will immediately receive some sort of financial compensation probably within the week. Obviously, I can't guarantee that like on paper, like in a contract, but I am telling you, that it will happen and it will be like at least three times the amount that you gave in in generosity. Now there is a caveat though to this tip, which is that you have to do it from a place of feeling good. You can't commit an act of generosity from a space of feeling bad or doing it specifically because you want to ultimately then attract abundance. Because if you do it with that kind of a toxic, like self-serving end game in mind, it's not going to work. It's going to kind of you know, turn against you. So it's, well, not against you. That's not a warning. Nothing bad will happen, but I just mean that it's not going to be effective. So that's something that's really important to think about as well, that you really do have to be in a position where you're feeling good about it. So it's important that when you're being generous, don't be um, flagrant and don't spend what you don't have. If things are financially tight right now, then obviously don't donate $200 to a charity. Maybe you can only swing $5 today. Or maybe, you know, again, you can literally drop 50 cents into a jar next time you go shop somewhere and they have something out for a local organization. Or like I said, you can buy lunch or coffee for a friend. There's lots of small ways that you can be generous within your means that don't require you to have to like make a difficult choice. And if you really can't do or commit an act of generosity from a space of feeling good about it, then honestly, you're better off just not doing it at all. Although I really do recommend trying this because again, it doesn't have to be expensive and we can all be generous. I don't care how you know tight things are for you right now. Being generous really is always a solution, in my opinion, energetically to any sort of a financial anxiety. And now the third tip that I have is, again, a little bit time-consuming, actually more time-consuming, I would say, than the the prior two. So the third tip that I have is kind of an ongoing practice, though, like the other two, and that is to think about and become mindful of and ultimately change, if necessary, your existing beliefs that you have about money. So a lot of us, and in fact, all of us have beliefs about money that are sometimes past life in nature. Um, If you ever have your natal birth chart done, your astrologer will be able to tell you if you have any hangups about money that might actually be the result of previous lifetimes. But a lot of us have 
And in fact, most of us have beliefs about money that we have inherited from our family of origin. I'm actually really lucky because the beliefs that I hold about money are for the most part very helpful. And you might also have beliefs about money that are fundamentally serving you. So for example, a belief that I have about money that my parents taught me and that they themselves believe, so I kind of absorbed it, is that money is something that will always come to you if you just apply yourself to whatever you're doing. I like to avoid the phrase like working hard because that's very like, you know, I don't know. I don't like the like toil and suffer and struggle and then you'll be abundant kind of mindset. I prefer to think of it as, you know, I do have a really good work ethic, but I would I wouldn't say that I work hard as much as I would just say that I really show up to every job that I do and to my job every single day wholly as my best self, ready to fully contribute and apply myself to you know, the assignment into whatever is needed. I do that here. I do that with birth charts. I do that with my um, serving job. I really just don't do any job half-assed. I really like to apply myself. That feels good for me. And not only is that something that is kind of self-rewarding, but as a result, because I have the belief that as long as I'm doing that, I will be abundant. I am therefore pretty much always abundant. So that is a belief that I was taught from my family of origin that has fundamentally actually supported me in being able to generate lots of financial abundance. And you might have beliefs from your parents or just that you came into this lifetime with that feel really good to you and that serve you. But you might also have some beliefs that are not as beneficial. And it's not that they're like super problematic, but they might just make it more difficult for you to manifest abundance. So for example, a really common belief, especially in a capitalist society that we have about money, is that if we are doing something that we love that is fundamentally pleasurable, that isn't a lot of work or a lot of struggle, that we can't make money doing it, that we almost have to go through a period of poverty, of financial tightness, of really putting in insane hours or just being really uncomfortable or starting at the bottom of the totem pole and feeling really bad about it before we can then ultimately secure abundance down the line. And that is a belief that's frankly not true. Um, I absolutely believe that and see firsthand that people you know, all over the place are doing things that they absolutely love and they are generating incredible abundance doing it. And a really good way to know, by the way, that you might personally hold this belief is if it really pisses you off when you see people that are living their dream and making money doing it. If that pisses you off or upsets you or makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you feel like, why them and not me, then you probably have this belief. You probably have the belief that it's not possible for you to make money doing what you love. Now, that being said, it's actually my very unpopular opinion that it's perfectly okay to have a creative passion and not make money doing it. I think that in this culture, we are actually really pushed to try to make our creative passion our profession. We hear a lot of that kind of do what you love pep talk dialogue in, you know, our our school system. And while it's a romantic theory and it does work for a lot of people, I also personally as a creative person feel that my creativity cannot be like associated with the way that I ultimately, you know, take care of myself and ultimately um care for myself and provide for myself, if my self-care and my, you know, ability to be secure hinges on my creative process, I find that it really messes with my creativity. So for me, I really enjoy writing and I enjoy this podcast and I enjoy my work with clients as like a secondary means of income, but my primary way of making money is serving, which is something I'm also really passionate about. It allows me a steady income and then it's also just really short, flexible hours. So that's really convenient for me to do all of the other things 
that I'm so passionate about. And so I think that there's nothing wrong with that. So I do want to clarify that as well. But at the same time, if you are someone that does have a creative passion that for you could easily translate into a really lucrative business, and that's something that you want to do, that can be kind of a mindfuck, especially if you grew up in a family where they really pushed you to work hard and to uh, be productive and like made you feel like you almost had to suffer before you could be successful. So that might be a belief that you might have to get rid of. Another and perhaps equally common belief that is pretty much always problematic is that you might not feel you're worthy of abundance or you might not believe that you're worthy of it. And a really good way to tell if this could be the case for you, by the way, is if you just never seem to have it. And people that don't believe that they're worthy of abundance tend not to have trouble attracting it. They usually will manifest it with ease. The problem is just that they can't keep it because what will happen is they will self-sabotage and when their bank balance gets to a certain number, that starts to look a little high to them, they will spend money in order to get it back down. And again, I'm a proud maximalist, so I'm totally not trying to imply, you know, like we need to be super, you know, frugal. That's not my point. But we do want to spend money in a way that is empowering, in a way that feels good, and on things that we're really excited about, and not out of like anxiety and stickiness and self-sabotage and being anxious about having too much money. It's kind of just the same process that some of us go through when a relationship is too good and we might have an instinct to self-sabotage or when anything else in our life is too good and we get a little bit of a weird kind of scratchy feeling about it. That's exactly the same kind of thing. So if you are someone that tends to, you know, earn money fine and you can you can uh, manifest abundance, but you just can't seem to keep it, then I think you should look into your feelings of worthiness around abundance. And again, a lot of the time, the origins of these things are family of origin. So um, look into your, your parents and think about what your parents believe or did believe about money, what they taught you, what they told you about it, or what you saw them go through in relation to it. Because if our parents lived while we were growing up in a state of financial tightness, if they talked a lot about money, if they argued a lot about money, and that's actually another thing too. For a lot of us, money is a shameful topic. It's something that we're really uncomfortable talking about. It's also kind of like sex. For some of us, like money is just a taboo subject. And as you can imagine, it's really hard to manifest something or generate something or create something in your life and call it to you that you are ashamed of or that you feel uncomfortable even talking or thinking about, let alone admitting that you want and deserve. So that's definitely something to think about as well if you're the kind of person that just gets kind of freaked out when money comes up in conversation. And again, that's usually because maybe your parents argued a lot about it. Maybe it was a hot button issue in the family of origin. So sometimes going to talk therapy can actually help us to work through some of these limiting beliefs around money. But the best way that I always tell people to alleviate any limiting belief or just excavate it entirely from your energy system is through tapping, also known as EFT, which is a form of acupressure that basically just involves the verbal repeating of affirmations while you tap on certain meridian points in the body. And this is a really effective way to clear out really any limiting beliefs about anything. But there's lots of how-to videos on YouTube for how to tap and how to practice EFT. So I won't bore you with like how to do that because it's also kind of difficult to describe without a video. So do look that up if you want further clarification there. But honestly, I invite you to just think about it. That's a good place to start. Just sit down, maybe journal, maybe talk to your parents 
or just reflect on it and think about some of your unique financial struggles that you might tend to go through your patterns and why that might be and how you might be creating this on some level. And also another thing too, while we're talking about this, and this is something that Carolyn Elliott talks a lot about, she is the witch who coined the term existential kick, kink, <laughs> sorry, I just said kick. Um, she wrote the book on existential kink and coined the term. And what she talks about in her book and in a lot of her masterclasses that she offers online is that for a lot of us, we actually enjoy on some level the state of like financial tightness that brings about anxiety because anxiety in small doses we forget can be pleasurable. Um, so that's something to think about. Maybe you get a little bit of a rush from feeling financially tight that you're not getting elsewhere in your life. And that kind of supplies you with a little bit of a need for uncertainty, which by the way is a totally healthy, normal human need. We just can sometimes try to meet that need in ways that are kind of counterproductive to some of our long-term goals. So there's lots of different things to think about, but I guarantee you that if manifesting financial abundance is a chronic issue for you, you have some beliefs around money, but thankfully they can easily be worked out by just thinking about them, maybe even talking to a therapist and ultimately meditating and or tapping. And there's also crystals that you can work with for this as well. I really recommend pyrite if you're struggling with worthiness. That can be a really powerful stone for um, helping you to believe that you deserve financial abundance. Citrine is also really good for that as well. And then the final tip that I want to offer you about how to manifest financial abundance is to erect a prosperity altar in your living space. So according to Feng, Feng Shui, sorry, I'm struggling with my pronunciation right now because I'm a little tired, so I think I'm kind of losing my, uh, my articulateness. Um, but in Feng Shui... The prosperity section of the home is the farthest left-hand corner from the front entrance. And for me personally, I actually live in an apartment building. So my front entrance to my particular apartment is not the same, like doesn't face the same way that the entrance to the whole building does. And so if your situation is similar where you live in an apartment, then I would go with the farthest left-hand corner from the, from the entrance to your apartment, not the whole building, if that makes sense. But obviously if you have a home, you don't really have to worry about that. It's less confusing. So go for the farthest left-hand corner from your front door. And that ideally, if possible, is where you should erect your prosperity altar for maximum uh, flow. And what's really nice too is that your altar doesn't have to be anything fancy. Literally, your altar can be a shoebox with an altar cloth over it. That would be completely fine or a tablecloth. Um, personally, I have altars in every single room of my home. I absolutely love altars. I kind of treat every table and every flat surface in my apartment as a kind of altar space, um, but I know that not everybody is necessarily like that. So even if you aren't really used to creating altars, typically for any kind of an altar, we would um, try to incorporate some sort of a symbol or a representation of all four of the elements. And so really good ways, obviously, you especially want to honor the earth element if you're if you're building a prosperity altar, because earth is the primary element that we work with, with uh, prosperity and abundance magic. So for me, for my abundance altar, I have lots of crystals on it, obviously. 
And I also have a little glass jar of change, which for me is really powerful because the change is kind of an offering to the prosperity gods. And it's also kind of a symbol for the fact that I trust in my own abundance and I trust that the money will come back to me, that I don't need to spend every single piece of change that I have. So I literally have like a full jar of change that I never cash, that I never use, that I never spend. It's literally just kind of an offering on my prosperity altar. And coins are really powerful symbols of the earth element as well. And and so are crystals. And so a few prosperity crystals that I really like and that are on my altar. So I do have a citrine on there. I do have a pyrite on there. Green aventurine, by the way, is a really powerful prosperity talisman if you're looking to manifest abundance quickly. So if you're scratching a lottery ticket, if you're going to the casino, or if you're something like a server where your income is kind of uncertain and you just want to have a really banger night and make a shit ton of money. Um, green aventurine is a really good stone for you to work with or have on you. And ideally you would keep that in your left hand pocket or the left side of your body. Or you could just leave a green aventurine on your prosperity altar and that will tend to generate fast income. And then I also like moss agate as well for prosperity altars. So moss agate is powerful because it kind of works the opposite way. It manifests abundance slowly and gradually. All agates tend to work slow. They have like a very earthy vibration. But the thing that's nice about moss agate is that the kind of abundance that it ends up attracting is the kind that will last. It's kind of like a slow, gradual, steady inflow of cash type stone. But then once you do build that security, it's going to be steady. So Moss Agate is one of my personal favorites. I think that's a must-have for a prosperity altar. And it's a really affordable stone too, which is nice. So is Green Adventuring. And then... Um, in addition to citrine and pyrite, which I think are probably two of the most important prosperity stones, I also do have a green tourmaline in matrix on my prosperity altar, which is actually a little bit rare. Green tourmaline can be difficult to find, but if you can get a nice piece of it that's large enough to put on your prosperity altar, I definitely recommend doing that. And then I do also have um, a garnet stone on my altar too all root chakra stones that generate feelings of safety and security are really good on a prosperity altar. If you have access to grossular garnet, which is a, the green variety of garnet, that's a really powerful abundance talisman. It can be a little hard to find. Um, I haven't been able to get any for, for the shop. I've been uh, trying actually and hopefully can get that in a couple of months because it's one of my favorite prosperity stones and I actually don't even have a piece in my personal collection. But that would be a really, really good one for your prosperity altar as well. And then um, other than the earth element representations, ideally you would have some sort of a representation for the uh, air element as well, which could be incense, it could be a feather. Um, also, you would want some kind of representation for the water element, which could be um, a glass of water or a chalice or cauldron full of water. I actually have a little statue too of um, a little prosperity Buddha, which for me is just kind of like an all of the elements or spirit. And then you would also want obviously to have um, a representation of the fire element too, which usually is a candle in witchcraft, which is pretty easy. And I actually do have a candle that is specifically for prosperity. I think I got mine at a local witchery. I never really burn it. I just kind of leave it there. Um, but you can obviously burn yours if you'd like. And as long as you do replace it out continuously with, with a fresh candle, but, um, 
you can get prosperity candles really from any witchery online, like on Etsy. I'm sure there will be quite a few, so that shouldn't really be too hard to find. Or if you have any local witcheries, I'm not sure what's open in your area in light of COVID, but um, I definitely do recommend having some sort of a candle on there as well. And then I also have some dried herbs sprinkled on my altar too. I have sage, which I really like for wealth, and I also have some dried rosemary on there too. So definitely erect a prosperity altar, spend some time there. Um, oh, I do like tiger's eye. I knew I was forgetting one. So I do like tiger's eye too. And there's a piece of that on my prosperity altar as well. But yeah, make your altar a place that you go and sit and spend some time and just erect it. And I honestly think the process alone of just building the altar will have a serious impact that you'll immediately notice on your ability to generate lots of abundance in your life. So I really challenge you to try at least one of these tips right off the bat. They're all so powerful. So if you kind of commit to doing all four of them, you're going to immediately notice some changes. So I'm really excited for you. I hope that this works and that it's really effective. And I hope that you're excited and I hope that you give this a shot. And before I let you go, because I am getting tired, it's getting late. I feel like my words are slurring and I swear I'm not like intoxicated. I'm, I'm just getting tired. It is almost two in the morning at the time of my recording. Um, but I do want to remind you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter if you haven't done that already. And I will post the link in the description of the episode to subscribe to that. I send out the newsletter every Tuesday morning. It's free to receive. And basically, I just talk about the astrology of the week. I pull a tarot card. We talk about a uh, crystal tip that I just kind of randomly choose every week to teach you something fun. And then I publish a weekly gratitude list. And it's just a cool place to be. Sometimes I will talk a little bit about what's going going on in my life, what I'm thinking about, what I'm going through. And it's just a cool way to stay in touch. So please do subscribe to that. And then I also want to urge you to send me an email if you have any questions, whether they're kind of vague or pretty specific, or if there's anything that you really want me to discuss on the podcast or cover, I would love to hear from you. I'm extremely open to your suggestions and your questions and your recommendations and the things that you want to hear about. I want to make sure that the discussions that we have are interesting to you. I don't want to bore you, obviously. Obviously. So please feel free to ask me about anything that you want to know and I will try to respond to your email even if I don't necessarily end up doing anything particular in the podcast that's a response to your question. I do try to at least get back to everybody. So you should hear from me soon um, and I will post my email in the description as well. It is the smartwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Nothing crazy. So you can contact me there and I just want to say thank you again for listening and take care of yourself. I'll talk to you again soon. I wish you all the abundance that you want and deserve.